The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Good job. Today on the lab report, Ben Greenfield. Yeah, we're going to talk biohacking today, people. I mean, he needs no introduction. No, come on. We'll do one anyway, but yeah, he course. doesn't need one. <laughs> the world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. How many streaming subscriptions do you have? Ugh, maybe seven-ish? Oh yeah? It's not impressive considering you used to have cable. How many do you pay for? Hundreds. <laughs> That's a different story. Shout out to my sister Barb. Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. How Hi, are you? Hi, Patty ya? Devers. I'm fantastic. Wow. How are you, man? I'm Shout pumped out of a up. cannon. Oh, well, it's Whoa. Ben Greenfield Day. I know. We've it's, been waiting dude, for this day I forever. I feel fit just Seriously. thinking about it. <laughs> it's been Getting a year. Swole. In, literally a year in the making. I think I could bench press 20 extra pounds right you think? now. Yeah, which means I could bench press 20 pounds right now. <laughs> See what I did there? I did. Uh, this is a podcast called The Lab Report, brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Uh -huh. It's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, right. and biohacking. Yeah, today's going to be fun. And if you're new to the show, and after hearing Ben Greenfield, you're going to want to go to iTunes and Spotify and subscribe to the show. And if you've been here before, welcome back. And hopefully you would have gone and hit the like button or subscribe. It's not a like button. Why no, do you keep saying not. like it's, button? Yeah. Leave us some feedbacks and some stars. If you have additional feedback, like... Where has Patty been for the last 10 yeah, years oh, as I far as the development the like of... button. What am I saying? You can send that to podcast at gdx.net. I'm just nervous. I'm fangirling out over Ben Greenfield. I'm not going to lie. I'm fanboying out. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, Ben Greenfield is the man. I mean, not only is... He, he knows he's, everything. He's, like, he's, he's a man's man. He's really, really smart. Have you heard he's him speak? He's incredibly smart. I he's am well so impressed by him. Dude. His books have a bazillion references to them we do this He's all the time experimented on self with just about every single yeah. biohack integrative therapeutic options out there he has his own supplement line i mean like seriously we're, we're in literature all day long we read we teach all day long every time i listen to ben greenfield i have to go back and look something up he does things i don't even i've never even heard of so it's really exciting to hear him speak honestly patty i, I can't even wait any longer Let's like, call I, I think him. we just need to just call him So, Patty. Yeah. Today we have. I, uh, I can't you know, even you know breathe. Who, I know. Right? I know. Okay. So, Ben Greenfield. Let me just. If you, for whatever reason, haven't heard, Ben Greenfield <laughs> is a human performance consultant, international speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of seventeen books. He holds a bachelor and master's degree from the University of Idaho in sports science and exercise physiology, and many national certifications in strength and conditioning. A former collegiate tennis, water polo, and volleyball player, bodybuilder, 13-time Ironman triathlete, and professional Whoa. obstacle course racer, Ben has been voted by the NSCA as America's top personal trainer and by greatest as one of the top 100 most influential people in health and fitness. A frequent contributor to health and wellness publications and websites and a highly sought-after speaker, Ben's understanding of functional exercise, nutrition, and the delicate balance between performance and health has helped thousands of people around the world achieve their goals and improve their quality of life. 
Ben is also an advisor, investor, and board member of multiple corporations in the health and fitness industry and is founder of Keon, a nutritional supplement company. He coaches and trains individuals all over the world for health, longevity, and performance. And, of course, Ben hosts the highly popular fitness and wellness website, bengreenfieldfitness.com, with over a million monthly visitors, and he's hosted several top-ranked health podcasts. He's appeared on numerous daytime and reality TV shows and has contributed to a multitude of national magazines and newspapers. And with that, thank you Welcome, so ben. much for being here, Ben. Oh, thanks. And, and I suck at golf and at bowling, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm horrific at horseback riding. So. <laughs> uh, well, seriously, I am fangirling out because you are the OG when it comes to biohacking. And Michael and I follow your work so closely, and we're always amazed at your extensive medical knowledge. So as someone who spends a great deal of your life speaking, writing, and living the modern health movement, did you ever consider going to medical school? Yeah, I did. Is that a softball question? Did you know that I considered that? No, <laughs> no. Oh, you're very, you're very intuitive. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I really got to tell you, you know, my growing up, my my dad was uh, he he was an EMT and then a, a paramedic and a firefighter, and then after that, he he owned a non ambulance or a non emergency ambulance transport company. So I worked for him both filing insurance claims and then also hanging out at the at the medical offices, you know, getting everything from chased around by EMTs who wanted to use my, <laughs> my little, uh, veins to practice their IV sticks on <laughs> to, uh, uh, attending, you know, medical conferences with my dad, you know, for traumatic injuries and things like that. And, you know, I, I was very comfortable around medicine and, um, you know, it really, really, I guess more of the, the traumatic emergency forms of medicine at an early age. Uh, but, um, really desired to be honestly, a I was into video game design and computer programming wow. through high school. Huh. And uh, I got super into tennis, though. And because I was so interested in tennis, I loved it so much. I, I wound up playing collegiate tennis. And during that time, as like, you know, 99% of students, athletes uh, at that time seemed to be doing, declared myself as a major in kinesiology, mm -hmm. which is just kind of like, you know, glorified physical education. But, you know, a lot of anatomy, a lot of physiology, yep. a lot of uh, you know, chemistry, physics, and, and, um, you know, and, and the like. And so I, uh, I wound up being surrounded by a lot of pre-med students and kind of chatting with them and see what they were doing. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is kind of interesting. I, I'm enjoying science more and more. I didn't really enjoy science and medicine a whole lot in high school, but, but just absolutely transformed from a kid who really would, you would, you would have labeled as more like writing language, you mm -hmm. know, rhetoric, kind of classical yeah. studies mm -hmm. type of kid. Somebody who was really geeked out in the science. And so I actually thought, you know what, what the heck, I, I'm going to I'm gonna take a pre-med course curriculum. So I did, you know, I wove that into my, my kinesiology curriculum. And, uh, you know, then, so then, you know, I took organic chem and microbiology and, and biochem and, um, you know, all the upper level chemistry and, and physics and science courses, uh, along with, uh, you know, helping to, to TA at the anatomy and physiology lab, you know, spending hours, you know, dissecting human cadavers, you know, in the mm -hmm. evenings, which, which of course is lovely whenever I go on a date at night. Sure. I like formaldehyde. Yeah. One time I even brought a girl, one time I even thought it would be cool to bring a girl into the lab and show her the dead bodies. <laughs> that didn't, yeah. You know, you know, what's funny is though, that, that girl that I brought to the lab showed the dead, but she's my wife now. So Aww. maybe it did work out. I don't know. But anyway, so, um, yeah, senior year, applied to a bunch of medical schools, uh, got accepted to six of them. And uh, what I was really eyeing was the uh, MD-PhD program at, at UPenn and then also at Duke. Didn't make it into either of those. Um, I, uh, I decided to take a year off and work in the private sector uh, after getting my master's degree at University of Idaho. And uh, got offered a really good job in surgical hip and knee sales for Biomet, 
And so I thought, you know, this is going to be great. I'm going to be in hospitals, surrounded by docs, learning a whole bunch, shadowing more surgeries. I'll, I'll do this, come back around, you know, apply to medical school again after that and kind of kind of see if I've got a few more options that I really like on the table. But like four months into that job, I became really disillusioned with the whole scene. Mm-hmm. Like a bunch of, you know, it seemed like unhappy docs with, you know, big boats and houses and cars, but they were like unhappy and mm-hmm. you know, overloaded with paperwork and didn't have a whole lot of time to enjoy those things and a broken medical school. Some you know, overcharging, morbidly obese patients who probably would have best in for but in you know, life broken insurance to, to you know put forty thousand, fifty thousand dollar you know implants in these folks, and you know, so I'm standing around hospitals with laser pointers showing the doctors how to do this, and and I didn't like the whole scene there at all, mm-hmm. and I kind of kind of sort of thought a little bit about like naturopathy and alternative medicine because I was. I was starting to understand that I, I like the flavor of preventive medicine mm-hmm. and that, that flavor of medicine particularly a lot better. But um, I also kind of craved getting back from the fitness scene, which is all I've done through college and worked as a personal trainer and nutritionist. So I literally like walked into the gym across the street from my house after I hung up the hat with that job in surgical sales and uh, asked for a job and started managing the local gym and from there branched out and started opening all these personal training studios and gyms i partnered up with all the local doctors and physicians because i could speak their language yeah. in the community and started doing everything from high-speed video camera analysis of gait to um you know to bloods and labs and um indirect calorimetry and physiology rate measurements and and uh ultimately wound up launching kind of like a one-stop shop for performance medicine with a sports medicine doc and uh did that for like four years before i kind of wound up uh I guess branching out and doing a lot more media and what I do now, which is like podcasting, blogging, writing, speaking, et cetera. But yeah, I do, I do have a background of being kind of comfortable around medicine based mm-hmm. on some of those experiences. Yeah. And I, it's just amazing how, how <laughs> everything that you've done has grown <laughs> from that spot. And it's, it's, Really insightful to hear hear that backstory yeah, too. Kind of worked out for you there, sir. <laughs> and so I, I also think about you know when I think about Ben Greenfield Fitness, I think about the term biohacking, which has really just kind of exploded in, as a term. But I wonder how do you define the term biohacking? Like, what does it mean to you? Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of terms out there, and ultimately, you know, back in the day, the original biohackers were uh, they were called grinders, right? They referred hmm. to their body as wetware. And any installations they would put on that body is hardware. So, you like, so these are folks who would like install a, a compass underneath the skin on the chest to vibrate every time one faces true north, or like magnetic implants under the fingertips to be uh-huh. able to interact better with technology, kind of like Minority Report, or like uh-huh. injection of chlorophyll into the eyeballs for enhanced night vision. And, and I think I think those are like the true original biohackers. Maybe arguably you could also say like the the fledgling bodybuilding industry way back in the day, which I actually took part in for some time, you know, and all the weird peptides and SARMs and hormones and mixes and blends they were doing to allow themselves to morph into, you know, an uncharacteristically, you know, enormous version of, of, a, of a human being, you know, that, that requires a great extent of, of biohacking too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, re- regardless of what biohacking maybe used to be, which was literally like a computer hacker, like taking a machine apart and retooling the whole thing to get, better effects out of that computer, right? Whether it be overhauling the graphic design card or, you know, defragging the unit or, or whatever, you know, now I'd say biohacking is, is the use of any technology or tool or tactic or strategy that would allow one to, um, to upgrade one's biology or more efficiently upregulate 
some specific metabolic pathway or biological pathway in order to induce results that would result in a better operating um, machine, you know, better operating body, better operating brain, et cetera. So um, that, that's kind of what I would consider biohacking to be with a caveat that sometimes hack is considered to be like shortcut. When in fact, I just consider hack to be almost like a workaround, a, a novel approach to a mm-hmm. problem, yeah. you know, and not necessarily pure laziness, right. uh, but I guess more seeking efficiency and optimization. I right. love that. Makes sense. I love that. That's a good example. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so with that, during this past year, in the midst of the lockdowns, many people have adopted some dietary and lifestyle habits that may not be great, right? Sedentary, not socially active, eating unhealthy foods. And the thought of starting a biohack or some type of diet or exercise could seem really daunting. What do you think, with all of your experience and all the people you've spoken to, what do you think is the most impactful minor change a person who's sitting on their couch currently or sitting at their desk listening to the show can make to improve their health? You know, I, I, I wish I could say that there's like this cool one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I would say there's more than one thing, yet it's all still pretty simple. You know, and I suppose you could say this one thing would be just to, to reconnect to nature. But more specifically, what I would say is ample amounts of photonic light, which really just allows for the mitochondria to be charged up with photonic energy and also allows for everything from production of vitamin D to enhance circadian rhythmicity, et cetera. So basically like embracing sunlight and really, I mean, like I think if everybody were to be close to like two hours, some people will say, you know, we'll use that, you know, whatever the, the D finder or the D minder app to calculate the amount of vitamin D you can get from sunshine and say, okay, I got to go up for 20 minutes between whatever one and one twenty PM in the afternoon or whatever. But um, I, I think really for most people going for close to like a good couple of hours, of sunlight per day, especially in the lower UVA and UVB times of day, um, is just absolutely stellar to be able to harness all the infrared and the near infrared and, yeah. and red light that you get from that. And from a biohacking standpoint, you know, you could say that it wouldn't necessarily um, um, uh, exclude the use of like these light producing devices that are very popular now, you know, like red light panels, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, or infrared saunas, like I, I would say that those would kind of like count towards your platonic energy for the day. So maybe you got like a half hour, you know, light treatment and, and an hour and a half out in the sunshine. But sun would be one, a grounding or earthing, meaning mm-hmm. like connecting yourself to the planet Earth would be two. And that would mean like, you know, at least for 20 minutes a day, be outside barefoot, laying on your back in the backyard, meditating or climbing rocks or climbing trees or swimming in the ocean or walking on the beach or doing something that allows for increased connectivity to the planet earth based on you know things things like the negative ions that we know that are produced by the surface of the earth things like the you know the the different pulse electromagnetic field frequencies that are naturally uh, anti-inflammatory and also emitted by the surface of the planet and basically the idea is similar to, to photonic sunlight you could also um use so-called technology and, and biohacks to accomplish this, right? There are everything from grounding and earthing shoes and sandals to grounding and earthing mats to, you know, bedtime mats that you can sleep on that produce pulse electromagnetic fields. Um, but, but again, like, as, as you can imagine, we could go from the extremely simple, like go outside in the sunshine or sure. mm-hmm. walk outside bare for a little bit every day to, you know, yeah, biohack the heck out of it. But, <laughs> you know, this, 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 I want to make sure we include the beginner folks along with the advanced folks when we're talking about this kind of stuff. Right. Um, Another couple would be just embracing um, discomfort, particularly through temperature regulation, meaning Mm -hmm. I think everybody would benefit from 
multiple bouts of heat and cold sprinkled in throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Right. So like I'm uh, with my family in Seaside, Oregon this week. One of the first things I did when I got up, even though I didn't really want to, was mm -hmm. I walked the five minutes down to the beach and I spent about 10 minutes just kind of swimming around and, and flailing and splashing in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> right. and it was really cold. Yes. It was really cold. Right now, juice pumping. But that's amazing for my cellular resilience, for fat burning, um, for for uh, activating some of, some of the breath work cycles that are really good for, like, your vagus nerve tone. And I will also get hot, like, this afternoon, right? Like, I'll go for a walk. It'll be hot. It'll be, and it'll be the rest of the family will be back in the air conditioning in the living room, like, playing cards or whatever, <laughs> but I'll go. I'll go out for a long walk where it's like 100 degrees out just to get my body exposed to that other element of heat discomfort. And, right. and a sauna could be used the same way, but not enough people just kind of get out and get hot or, or get cold in one way or another. And so um, that, that, that would be another couple. And then another, I guess a lot, two other really simple things would be just like really good, clean, pure, filtered water intake throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Our municipal water supply is so crappy. The type of water people get from a lot of plastic bottles is crappy. Yeah, you could do like Gerald Steiner, Pellegrino, some of these better bottled water blends, whereas they're like glass bottles. But think combining that with really good mineral intake, right? like salting your food with really, really good salts, like, you know, Celtic salts and Florida cells and different French salts or using trace liquid minerals. I mean, like if someone's eating somewhat healthy and already kind of moving a little bit, but then they add in sunlight and then earthing and grounding, and heat and cold and water and minerals on top of that mm -hmm. like that's going to cover a ton of the bases mm -hmm. uh, just in terms of, of mitochondrial energy in terms of electrical balance in terms of circadian rhythm in terms of cellular resilience so that's that's where i start but yeah it's not just one thing but i guess if you were to step back and look at that really a big part of everything i just described is kind of living closer to nature which often involves embracing some of the stress and unpredictability, right. such as the heat and the cold, that might go along with that. Right. Mm. I love all of those answers so much because <laughs> I think from yeah. a functional medicine perspective, so often, you know, we ask that question of, of somebody and the, the automatic go-to is always the foundation is diet and exercise. And the things that you just mentioned, not only in the aspect of their ability to connect with nature and the fact that most of those are free, but they are things that are almost more rooted in who we are as people. And I just, I love that so much. I appreciate yeah, that. And I, I mean, look, diet and exercise are important, sure. but you know, I've, I've been to, you know, not, to, not, to, not to bring up this population too much, but I've been to a lot of bodybuilding shows, right? Like in health and fitness expos. And there are a ton of people walking around those shows, you know, with their broccoli and chicken mm -hmm. um, or their intense, you know, hour and a half long gym visits and, and really good exercise protocol that they're doing who are super unhealthy and inflamed. Mm -hmm. And we get up close to them, their skin looks like the skin of like, you know, the grandma from something about Mary, like they've been out in the <laughs> sun all day. You can tell they're just a walking ball of inflammation mm -hmm. because even though they're doing all that, it's really not like a natural lifestyle these folks are living. Yeah, they're exercising. Yeah, they're eating what, my, what some people might consider to be a healthy diet or at least healthier than the standard American diet. But they're, they're still kind of like almost healthy on the outside, if that, and really unhealthy or dying or sick on the inside due to inflammation and mm -hmm. poor circadian rhythms, poor sleep or lymph circulation, you know, all those things that are often addressed through sometimes exercising less, um, still eating a healthy diet, but not contextualized as a diet, and instead just embracing whole, real, natural foods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like I mentioned, the, you know, the sunlight, the earthing, the heat, the cold, the, uh, the water and the minerals. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a lot more healthy, like, indigenous hunter-gatherer tribes. There are massive 
you know, weightlifters and bodybuilder shows. Right, right. 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 Well, and on that note, when it comes to diet, you know, <clears throat> anyone who, who follows your work, your podcast knows that you've experimented with a lot of different diets. And, you know, the running joke here is when people ask about diets, it's kind of like that. It depends, you know, depends on who we're talking about. But what have you found that works best for you when it comes to diet and how did you come to it? Well, you know, that should, of course, as you already have kind of done been couched with the idea that what works for me is going to be totally unique to me because mm-hmm. I'm a unique snowflake, you know, and everybody is, but you know, so the ketogenic diet to help your neighbor lose 20 pounds might leave you fat, sick and inflamed because you have like maybe a, an ApoE gene that would dictate uh, higher risk for cardiovascular disease or Alzheimer's or dementia in response to a high intake of saturated fats, mm-hmm. or you have poor, poor, poor liver or gallbladder functions dictating that you're not able to break down those fats properly, or you have familial hypercholesteremia dictating that you have a really accelerated cholesterol response to, to those, those types of compounds or a high fat diet. And you might be better equipped for, you know, perhaps a, a Mediterranean diet or, uh, you know, a Catavan Islander diet or something completely different than a ketogenic diet. So I, I think you got to find out what your body actually needs. I think that's where testing quantification, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the type of stuff that you guys do at, at Genova Diagnostics, you know, that, that, where, where, you know, well, I can tell you right now, any, any client who comes to me for coaching who really wants the high-end whole meal deal nutrition program and everything from me, you know, what supplements do I take, what, how do I eat, how do I exercise, they all do, like, a really good genetic test. Mm-hmm. Um, they all do a, a really comprehensive blood panel, typically a really comprehensive micronutrient panel, uh, a three-day gut panel, a food allergy panel, and then um, a, like a urinary hormone profile. And then I can sit down with all that data and say, okay, well, here's everything from what your ancestors ate to what genes you have that might predispose you to having a certain reaction to certain foods, foods you're actually allergic to, you know, proteins that actually spark an autoimmune reaction, mm-hmm. uh, things you're, you're deficient in, in your blood and your micronutrients that might require some form of supplementation or different food groups worked in, uh, you know, and, and I sit down with all that and then, I recommend a diet to someone and it, and it does really widely vary from person to person. But despite that, there are prevailing characteristics that we see in like all these longevity hotspots from around the globe, you know, the, the so-called blue zones mm-hmm. areas where there's a disproportionately high amount of long lived people. And uh, when, when you step back and look at these folks, whether they're low carb, high fat or, um, or high carb, low fat or, or anything in between, you'll, you'll see, a typical inclusion of a wide variety of herbs and spices and plants, like a huge variety, like a hundred plus different varieties. I think uh, in America, we get something like 10 to 20, you know, pretty paltry amount. You know, we got our tomatoes and our cucumbers and our iceberg lettuce or whatever, but you know, we're talking about burdock root and ashitaba mm-hmm. and, and nettle and dandelion leaf and you know, all these different compounds that we see worked into the diets of a lot of healthy people. So I would say, dietary variety especially when it comes to the plant kingdom is good yeah. and if mm-hmm. you have gut issues or you're worried about the natural built-in plant defense mechanism folks in the carnivore or the paleo sector might say would exist and stuff like that well yeah heal your gut first yeah. but don't swear that stuff off for life like once your gut is operating really well like include as wide a variety of plants and herbs and spices as you can i'm not saying that there's not a time when you got to kind of back off that stuff because your gut has you know, you got leaky gut from eating a poor diet for a long period of time or an autoimmune issue you got to get over. But, you know, weaving in a wide variety of plants and herbs and spices is a good idea. There's always some element of fasting, whether built-in religious fasting, mm-hmm. such as a Mediterranean diet, which, believe it or not, is not 
all, you know, feta cheese and unlimited breadsticks to Olive Garden. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, like my dad, he, he practiced, you know, he, he's, he's a, a member of the Orthodox church and, you know, he'll have from like Thanksgiving till Christmas, right? No meat at all. Very mm. limited amounts of dairy, mm-hmm. certain days where there's no eating at all. Um, usually fish is the primary protein. And then certain other periods during the year where, you know, there's full, you know, one or two day fast. Uh, many of these cultures also have some form of like intermittent fasting or celebratory or not, but I guess more like ceremonial fasting, religious fasting, but certain periods of time during the year, during the week, during the day where you're just not eating. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's another common characteristic of a, of a successful diet is some type of fasting uh, and or protein restriction woven in at certain points during the year. So you get some of the cellular autophagy and, and a cleanup or a detoxification of the body. Um, you also see food as something that's considered to be more sacred, right? It's not just fuel, it's not just a bar that you mow down while you're commuting to work, right. but it's something that is meant to be gathered around for people to enjoy and to celebrate, for people to eat together, and something that is to be consumed in a very mindful and low-stress state, right. sitting with other people, laughing, saying grace, breathing before the meal, chewing the food extensively, taking a long time to eat, and, and really you know, mindfully approaching consumption of food, not just as calories, but as, as a real enjoyment of God's creation, a savoring of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could name one other, I would say you see a real, real low intake in most of these cultures of specifically the type of foods, and these are usually processed or packaged foods that would cause large variations in blood glucose, meaning large amounts of glycemic variability during the day and or large amounts of inflammation, particularly from vegetable oils. Yeah. So you see a really, really low intake of vegetable oils and processed plant oils married to a real mitigation of blood glucose spikes throughout the day. And so I would say, you know, if you can figure out based on testing, lab testing, what you're hardwired to be able to receive from food and respond really well to, and then marry that to some of those real core concepts that we just know work no matter what diet you're eating, you know, like fasting and wide variety of plants and herbs and spices and eating with people and eating mindfully and, um, you know, having, having low amounts of glycemic variability and low amounts of inflammation, then you're really going to be able to eat a diet that's, that's going to work well for you. I really, I appreciate that. The, The mindfulness aspect and the social aspect of food, which then brings me to this next question, because we know the HPA axis and stress is just a big risk factor underlying chronic disease. How does someone with your busy schedule de-stress or balance that sympathetic or parasympathetic state? What's your go-to to find that HPA balance? Well, I bookend every day along with my family with about seven to ten minutes of morning meditation and journaling. We use something called a spiritual disciplines journal, which is a journal that I actually designed hmm. to allow you to dive into things like gratitude mm-hmm. and service and mindfulness and even like tapping and breath work mm-hmm. early in the day uh, for about you know, five to 10 minutes. We're usually about seven minutes when we do it. And then at the end of the day, we return to that same journal to engage in about a four to six minute process of self-examination, meaning examining what we've done well that day, what we could have done better and where we most lived out our life's purpose statement. Mm-hmm. Um, along with just like playing a movie in our mind of how the day went and pairing that also with breath. And so starting and ending the day with meditation, breath work, journaling, gratitude, service, self-examination, and purpose is really, really good just to be able to 
set a standard for the day. And you'd be surprised, you know, when the whole family's getting ready, making breakfast, you know, the house is, is just like a cyclone's going through it. And, and dad just says, stop. All right, everybody in the back porch is going to meditate. And everybody uh-huh. meditates and everybody gets in touch with their body and how they're feeling and breathe. And the whole world just slows down to a halt. And you come back out and you have this inner sense of peace. And we even finish the meditation with tapping, like tapping over the heart. Mm-hmm. So that you're setting an anchor. So throughout the day, when you do get stressed again, or you become stressed, you're able to tap in that same location and it sends your body a signal. It's almost like return to that same state that it was in relaxation when you were meditating earlier that day. Mm-hmm. Like that's a core practice, just bookending the day with meditation and journaling and breath work. And then throughout the day, for me, I mean, honestly, number one thing is again, breath. You know, I'm constantly aware of my breath. And I've done a lot of breath training, right? Like I've, I've done all the Wim Hof's trainings and I've mm-hmm. done the uh, one that I really liked by a guy I've interviewed on my podcast named uh, Naraj Naik. And he has a form of a breath work called Soma. Um, I've read, you know, all the books by James Nestor and Patrick McCown and Anders Olsen and all these great breath work practitioners. And that means I've got a toolbox. I know how to breathe to activate myself for a workout, mm-hmm. such as the really kind of intense uh, you know, pranayama, Wim Hof style breathing. Mm-hmm. I know how to breathe myself to sleep using more of like a four, seven, eight breathwork protocol. I know how to breathe myself into an altered state of consciousness without drugs like LSD or psilocybin by doing more holotropic breathwork cycles. I know how to simply, you know, settle my heart rate down and increase my heart rate variability or my resilience to stress very quickly, such as if I'm stuck in traffic or something like that with alternate nostril breathing. And so, you know, and, and even, you know, connect my lover and, and have multiple orgasms during a lovemaking session or be more connected to her and more spiritually intertwined by, by literally pairing our breaths together, you know, for, for better sex with breath. And so, you know, I, I use breath, again, not just for stress, but just for really, if you look at, the, at your physiology as a dial, for being able to twist that dial in, in any given direction throughout the day just by using simple breathwork protocols. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and to piggyback on Patty's question about kind of like how do you find the time, I think the question that naturally comes when I listen to your podcast and I, I've heard, you know, your your workout routines, I've heard your daily, you know, supplement nutrition routines, I, you know, all these things. And my question is always, how do you do how? it? Like what, where do you, where how? does your drive come from, Ben? Well, like I just kind of alluded to, I do have a purpose statement. Yeah. I think everyone should be able to know their purpose statement inside and out. You know, and, and I talk about this in, in my last book, Fit Soul, you know, how to find your purpose statement in life. And, and in that book, and that's just a free book I wrote just to help people out. I think it's a, a fitsoulbook.com. You know, I, treat, I, I teach a, you know, how to how identify and align with that purpose statement. So for me, I have that lens through which I view the world. You know, my, my current purpose statement in life is to read, write, sing, speak, compete, and create, teach, and learn in full presence and selfless love to the glory of God. So anything that falls across my plate for the day, I can view through the lens of that purpose statement and ask myself, is this really purposeful? Mm-hmm. Right? Is this really cool YouTube video on the coming, whatever, great reset and Bill Gates, something that would be the best spent half hour of my time? Versus writing, you know, a thousand words in this article on, you know, whatever, how to do your morning gratitude and journaling practice, right? And so I'm constantly assessing, okay, what is the most purpose-filled uh, way for me to spend this time that I have during the day? And that really, really helps fuel not only productivity and also give you a reason 
you know, like the Japanese would say the Ikigai or, or in Sardinia, the plan de vida, right? The reason that you leap out of bed in the morning, having that purpose statement is huge for that. And then probably the other real, real key thing for me that, that, that's real clutch is like, I'm a total dummy when it comes to like Hollywood movies, Netflix, um, <laughs> entertainment, even music to a certain extent. And I realized like, I'm not saying like, you know, entertainment is great. Creativity is great. Beauty is great. Cinematic, you know, um, wonders are great as are, you know, amazing tales of fiction, et cetera. But I'm, I'm kind of careful with my creation consumption ratio mm-hmm. and, and meaning that my creation consumption ratio is really high, like high on the creation side, really low yeah. on the consumption side. So I, you know, I might watch like two movies a year. I might watch like one TV show a month. Mm. Um, and, and I'm rarely in front of a screen. Um, I don't really listen to music when I'm working out. I will listen to audiobooks, podcasts, documentaries, research. Um, so a lot of times I've just, you know, trained myself physically while I'm simultaneously training myself mentally, which also frees up a lot of time. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just very, very mindful and aware of how I'm spending my time and what my purpose statement is in life. And I'm always questioning myself, okay, is, is, this, is this the right thing? Is this the best thing for me to, to be doing right now, right? Is, is this the... Is this exactly why God has placed me on this planet? Right. And so, so yeah, that's 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 kind of my my take on it. That's yeah. just so profound. Um, you know, your your latest book, Boundless: Upgrade Your Brain, Optimize Your Body, and Defy Aging, was released this past year in the midst of the pandemic, and it's kind of a blueprint to health. Can you just give us just a few takeaways to inspire the audience to run out and get this book? Oh, thanks. You give me a chance to pitch my book. Huh? <laughs> um, okay, so so here's the deal. I sat down to write this book three years ago because I was super interested in longevity and anti-aging. We're mm-hmm. talking like everything from, you know, the blue zones that I just mentioned to like, you know, peptides, hormones, um, you know, different uh, stem cell delivery mechanisms, just like all the things you could do to enhance your lifespan. And it turned out that there's so many physiological mechanisms underlying the process of aging from oxidation to DNA degradation to immune system dysregulation to the gut brain axis to uh, senescent cells and, and beyond that I almost had to write a full manual for the entire human body that took into account a lot more than anti-aging and longevity and so the thing just took on life of its own I mean when mm. I when I, you know gut immune sleep hormones performance anti-aging, you know, you, you name it. You know, I turned into the publisher. We had like 1,500 pages of manuscript, wow. and we wound up kind of cutting that down to about 650 pages of, of the best of the best stuff. Mm-hmm. I kept all the other stuff. Actually, if you get the book, you know, everything I wrote is available on the book's website. There's like a secret code to be able to get in and see all the stuff that I wrote that, that isn't even in the, the printed book. But, yeah, and, and then, you know, the audio recording is like 40 hours long. But, um. But yeah, I just want it to be like a like a total cookbook for the human body. So that anything you're struggling with, you know, sleep or hormone balance or, you know, beauty and symmetry and sex or, you know, or, you know, meaning and purpose in life. You can just like go to that chapter and really, really learn in a very practical way based on the latest research, you know, what to do. So that's that's why I wrote that book. And it's 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 thus far been pretty pretty well received you know i uh my only drawback to writing a book like that is you know science moves so quickly that you know i know i'm gonna have to probably update it again like a year from now but i do that with all my books anybody who owns my book or gets my book like they're part of my email list they find out when i add new stuff to the website or you know sometimes change a chapter people get the electronic version of that even when we haven't yet changed the printed version so Mm -hmm. but yeah it's uh it's all at um 
uh, boundlessbooks.com. Yeah. Great. And it's super fantastic. And it has, what, like uh, something roughly around a billion references in there? <laughs> One billion. <laughs> you got to put a pink gift in your mouth when you say that. <laughs> well, Ben, I honestly can't thank you enough for joining us. I have one just last question. It It's related to nothing. It's... Uh, question we call the fireball and it's a question where i'm I'm wondering do you have a favorite wild animal well i would say it probably varies but um right now i would say an eagle Hmm. that counts as i guess as a bird but Yeah. yeah i just i have an eagle living outside my house right now when i go out in the mornings i'm on a walk and i'm usually coming back to my walk about the time he's up on his nest up there you know, I'm just about to go into the house. He goes, <laughs> giant eagle call. It's like, just like inspires you. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I think an eagle at this point. Awesome. And, and awesome. by the way, it's, it's actually, it's, it's a bald eagle. There you go. Yes. There you go. Yes. Well, well, Ben, we're so grateful for your time. We want to encourage the audience to go out and get your book, Boundless, Upgrade Your Brain, Optimize Your Body, and I'm Defy sure Aging. Right. And go to bengreenfieldfitness.com for a bunch of amazing content as well. And we're so grateful you spent time with us today, Ben. Well, I'm grateful to have me on. I'm grateful for you not calling me out for making a Hollywood movie reference to Austin Powers right after <laughs> saying I didn't watch many movies. And I, uh, I'm grateful for you guys' time. And uh, thanks for doing what you do for the world. We were waiting to speak to him for over a year. Was it everything you hoped it would be? It was more. I agree. I think I could bench press 30 pounds now. Whoa. I will say one thing that Ben and I have in common. Uh-huh. Horseback riding. I hate horseback riding. You hate. I like, I'm have afraid you ever of horses. Been horseback? No, I'm afraid of horses. So you don't hate horseback riding. I you find hate horses. Them frightening. I'm afraid of them. They're majestically beautiful from afar, but I'm afraid of them. Have you been on a horse? No. Oh, then we're all in the same camp here. Well, Ben said he's bad at bowling. How are you at bowling? Uh, I would say I'm about average, not knowing what average means. <laughs> what so, is average for like just somebody who's not a bowler? I think if you can. Just not hit a gutter ball every time. You're okay. Oh, I'm better than that. Okay, I can see, I can yeah. put spin on the ball. Oh, I, I can bowl. Average. I can get in the two hundreds. All right, you're above average. And he mentioned golf as well. Oh I, yeah. Uh, I hear you're a pretty good golfer. Yeah, I really like to golf. I was really good at it. I used to live on a golf course. Really? Though now I have all that organophosphate exposure. So between golf, horseback riding, and bowling, the both of us almost make up one Ben Greenfield. So <laughs> I do that math. Plus the thirty pounds that you're bench pressing. Does that include the weight of the bar? No. I'm starting, I'm starting to feel less confident. <laughs> Maybe it's because my daughter beat me at Thumb War the other day. Wow. Next time on The Lab Report, how to rehab from a bench press accident. Well, I think you should probably focus on training on your Thumb Wars. She's a cheater. She uses the wiggle the wrist and stuff. Sure she does. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. All right, what's more entertaining, the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics? Ooh, I'm going to say Winter Olympics, but... There's a lot of great stuff about the summer, too, like the gymnastics piece. It's kind of like figure skating and the luge versus, like, gymnastics and then some of the track. It's hard to tell. I can't pick. How about you? It's got to be winter. Yeah. I mean, curling. Hello.
Mic drop. <laughs>